Ephesians uh, 1, uh, verse 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Thanks, Jasmine. Today we have a guest preacher here with us. He is a good friend of mine and of the Bridge Church. He's been here several times before. Um, he is Evangel Tam. He is the Bible teacher at Diocese and Girls School. And yeah, we're so excited to have him here with us today. His wife and kids are here as well. Um, and so we're excited to have the whole family with us. Evangel, do you want to come up and I can pray for you before you get started? Sure. Father, we thank you for bringing Evangel here to share your word with us. We thank you for uh, your love for us and the, the opportunity to hear about that love from Evangel. We pray that you'd speak through him to us today and help us to know you more deeply and, and to just experience your love more deeply because of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Bridge Church. It's really great to be back again. I think the last time I was here was right after the government lifted the gathering restrictions. So it's been probably almost a year now from my bad memory. So today I'm gonna to talk about one of the blessings that we have as believers from the book of Ephesians. I know that a couple months ago, you guys actually went through Ephesians. So I'm gonna look at like one small section and go into a lot of detail and to help you to see how this continues to uh, transform your life, this blessing. Uh, so first off, let me just try to uh, define what a blessing is. I think we use that word a lot, like please bless this person or I'm blessed. Um, here's a definition of a blessing. Can you get the next slide on? A blessing is, okay, not on the screen, but I have it on my notes. Okay, a blessing is something that brings benefit, good, and well-being. And you can go back to that thing. And the, blessing, the specific blessing we're talking about this morning, or I'm going to talk to, to you about this morning, is the blessing of being adopted. Right? Being adopted um, is an act where God makes people members of his family through faith in Jesus. So we're gonna look at this blessing in detail. What does it mean for a Christian? How does this blessing, when you become a Christian, how does it transform your life and continue to transform your life? You know, knowing this blessing makes all the difference in terms of how you live and think in the world. I want us just to think, okay? Um, you know, is, is anyone here uh, a perfectionist? A perfectionist, somebody who, you know, you're just never satisfied with the work that you do. Um, there's always like one or 10 things or 20 things that you wish that you could have done on that school project or that you wish you could have done for that work project. Uh, does anyone here feel that other people's work are always better than them for some reason? It's like, oh man, that, that colleague's proposal was so good. Um, or, man, that classmate's presentation really had that flair. I wish, I wish my work could be as good as theirs. You know, in, in different ways, people live feeling like they are undeserving and inferior in some way. 
And this is true for even some of the most successful people in the world, uh, like Albert Einstein. So Albert Einstein lived most of his life believing that his work did not really like, amount to anything. It didn't really deserve the attention that it got. You know, many people live believing that they're less competent than others, that they haven't earned any of their achievements, that their skills are not worthy. Uh, and, you know, psychologists have tried to, like, categorize, like, why do people feel this way? Like, what's the reason? Uh, so psychologists like Dr. Susan Imes have noticed these feelings of insecurity that people have, and there's sort of different explanations and terms to define it. I won't go into that. Uh, I think those things are important to know about. Uh, but this is what God says. God in the Bible tells us that the root of these insecurities aren't, aren't psychological. That, that, that's part of it, but that's not the deeper picture. The root of these problems are spiritual. Now, we've sinned as human beings, and that means instead of worshiping and adoring God, uh, we worship other things. Uh, we believed the lie that told us that we could be like God. And the result is that we live life trying to find worth and value in everything but God. The truth is, no matter what we do, we can't match up to who God is. So trying to be God really is this burden that we were never meant to bear. We can never achieve that standard. So sin is where all of our feelings of insecurity originate from. And this is where the blessing of adoption is so good for those who are Christians. Um, see, the good news of Christianity is that God adopts us and tells us that our worth is not found in what you do, but in who you know. Humanity's purpose was never to be God, it was to be in relationship with him. Your value is not found in what you can do or accomplish, it's found in your relationship to God as his child. Because God has made you his child, you are good enough. Because we are God's children, we deserve all of his blessings already. But you know what? Often, after becoming believers, after becoming Christians, we, we find it difficult. Or the process of really learning to be God's child is like a lifelong process for a Christian. Because we often live like our worth and value is in what we do. And this leads us to feel like we don't deserve God's blessings in our life. We somehow have to pay God back for all the things he's given to us. And sometimes this comes in the form of how we worship. Like we feel like we, sh we should give God money back because, you know, he did all this stuff for us. Or we, we should serve God because, you know, God died for us. Like how can we not serve God in that way? Um, in our hearts, we limit the grace and blessing that God wants to freely give to you as his child. And we find it hard to accept acts of kindness and love from other brothers and sisters. Um, we're hesitant to receive too much because we can't pay it back. So instead of relating to God as children, we find ourselves relating to God as, as slaves. Instead of relating to other believers like family in God's, in, in God's family, we relate to them like sort of strangers. Um, so it's only when we trust God's love for us as a father that we find the security and acceptance that we need to truly receive his blessings. Um, so here's the, here's the main point, okay? Trusting the father's love brings blessings of security and acceptance. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Trusting the father's love brings blessing of security and acceptance. So relating to God as his child, it doesn't happen all at once. It happens as we grow in understanding God's love for us as father. 
So when we trust this love, um, our feelings of insecurity of not being good enough are replaced with this humble and confident strength, not in what we do, but in who we are as children. Our, our failures and mistakes don't leave us devastated. Our successes don't lead us to become prideful and conceited. Trust in God's love also gives us this assurance in our hearts when circumstances in our lives are uncontrollable, when things are falling apart. And to understand this love, I'm going to really break down our passage for this morning. So I encourage you to have the passage in front of you, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting from verse 3. So maybe pull that up and we'll, I'll read that again together in a bit. But I just want to share something that's really cool uh, in, in the church, that my, in my home church. So uh, the church that, uh, that I attend, Emmanuel English Church, um, something really cool happened the past couple years. So two families in our congregation decided to adopt, right? adopt kids of their own. Um, and one of the adopted babies joined our community a little more than a year ago, almost two years now. And it's been such a huge blessing for our church to see God's love lived out in such a tangible way. So I asked members of these uh, two families who, who are adopting or who have adopted to share what they're thinking and feeling uh, as they're uh, you know, waiting for the child to come. And, and generally they're really excited. They're wondering what the child will be like and how you know, they'll think about their new parents. Um, there's also some initial worries of you know, how the child will maybe like uh, integrate into their family. Um, but one thing is clear is that there's a desire to love the child and to make them a part of their family. So let me read some specific thoughts from these two families with their permission. So one family says, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm and trepidation, but much of it is without a clear object. We don't know how old she'll be, how she'll look, what are her, what are her preferences. I'm imagining some things, but also trying to keep the imagination in check because the baby that's coming is not here to fit my imagination, but for us to have a family. Um, another family says, I'm thinking of ways to show love and a warm welcome, but again, it's hard to have a concrete plan without knowing the person. Uh, but overwhelmingly, there's the thought that together we'll make a stronger, more loving family than before, where both she and us will find happiness and fulfillment in each other. Uh, so these words probably don't communicate both of these families' feelings 100%. But from what they, they did share, there's a couple of things that reflect in a similar way what God's love is like for believers. Uh, see, first, the decision to adopt has to do with this, the desire to have a family. Uh, second, uh, before even knowing anything about the child or who this child will be like, a decision was made to love this person as their own child and make them a part of their family. So let me just read Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 again, uh, just for us to uh, uh, bring it back into our minds. So starting from verse 3, it says this, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the pleasure of his goodwill, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved." Short passage, but big words contained in it. Uh, we've already looked at adoption. That's one of the key words. 
But in addition to adoption, there's terms like chosen, before the foundation of the world, predestined, pleasure of God's will. But the most important word here isn't all these big techno, techno, like theological terms. The most important word here is love. In love, God predestined us. In love, he adopted believers as children. God's will and purpose is love. You can't separate any of these other terms from God's love. And you cannot truly understand God's love for you without these terms, that they go hand in hand. This is so important because trusting the Father's love brings the blessing of of security and, and assurance in your life. So everything in this chapter is about understanding God's blessing for his people. Um, so let me try to break this down, okay? Uh, let me just go, I have, I have like probably two main points. So the first point is this, uh, that the Father's love started in eternity past. So that's, you can go to point one in the slides. Um, so I'm gonna talk about how trusting different aspects of God's love that we see here will help us to grow in our security and acceptance in our living. So the first point is that, um, yeah, God's love started in eternity past. So before the universe came into being, before the earth or sun or stars or galaxies ever existed, before time and space, uh, God lived in love, perfectly satisfied within himself. He was his own community. He, he was his own family. You can think of it that way. The family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he would have just been fine continuing to be God in his own God family, Um, He didn't need to create anything. Um, But in this place where God was God for all eternity past, forever and ever, um, God was so full of love that he's like, I want a family. I want to share my love with everybody else or with other beings like myself. And so from this love, he decided to create the earth and create people and he decided to love a group of people as his sons and daughters. <clears throat> See, the moment parents decide to adopt, uh, they have made a choice to love a specific person beforehand, even though they don't know anything about them. Um, the father's love is like that, but even greater, because God chose to adopt you before you even existed. That's what this passage is saying. Before you were a cell, before you had any thoughts, before you had any personality, before you did anything good or bad, before you did anything of worth or value, before you even knew who God was, he already made a choice to adopt you. Love is a free choice to care for another person loyally. You can't force someone to love or it's not love. It has to be done freely. Uh, when it comes to human love, the choices that we make always comes with some sort of condition, right? Um, choosing a spouse to love comes with conditions about like their personality, their age, their hobbies. Just open up a dating app and there's a lot of conditions you have to fill in, right, to find the right match. Uh, we have conditions for choosing our friends. Um, companies have conditions for choosing their employees, how skilled they are, their credibility with past employers, how well they work with other people. And even human adoption comes with conditions, right? How old the baby is, if they're over two or um, over one, it's usually less of a chance of being adopted. If they're male or female, um, ethnicity might be a factor. But God's love isn't like this. He chose to love you before you were male or female, before you were Asian or European or Caucasian or Southeast Asian. 
He chose you before you were anything, before you had any record. God's love is free from any conditions except that he is a father who wants children. That's who God is. But God's love for you as a believer goes deeper than this. Um, God's choice to adopt was made knowing the worst possible thing about you beforehand. He adopted you seeing the worst thing that you've done ever in your whole life. Maybe that hasn't even happened yet. He chose you before that. He chose you before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless before him. And this implies that God chose you knowing that you wouldn't be worthy, knowing that you would be unholy, full of guilt and sin. He chose you knowing that you would be a rebellious orphan in desperate need of a father. There is no love like God's love who chooses to adopt the worst of the worst children. That's who he is. And when you trust and accept this unconditional, timeless love of God for you, it erases every fear and doubt that we have of God ever taking away his favor and love in your life. You know, we live in an imperfect world and in, in this imperfect world, we're told that love is always conditional. Love is always conditional on, on how you perform. And in your minds, you might know that God's love is unconditional, but believing it in your heart is a lifelong process. Sometimes we actually live in fear that we'll do something so bad that God will just stop loving us. Right? When bad things happen in our life, we're like, oh no, did, God, did I do something to displease God? But that's not what God is like. God chose you without any reference to something good that you've done. So it's really silly to think that what we do or do do will affect God's love for us. We don't have to worry about having to earn God's love. There's nothing that you can do that will surprise God and cause him to abandon you. He already knew the worst of what you would do when he adopted you. So instead of living in worry and fear about your performance, God choosing you means that you can be confident and secure that he is always on your side. He is always on your side. When you make the biggest mistakes, he is on your side to make that right in your life. So God's love started in eternity past. Second point is that God's love was, it was given to create a holy family. So again, the history of God, it starts with him as father, son, Holy Spirit. He wants to have family, so he creates people. Um, verse five says believers are predestined for adoption. So the word predestined means deciding beforehand, and it's really repeating the same idea in verse four, where God chose believers before the creation of the world. Uh, but again, this choosing, choosing has a definite purpose and heart behind it. It's for family. It's for being a part of it's for being God's children. Um, so I guess to correctly understand this, we have to see it from our perspective, all right? So God's purpose, God's destiny for each and every single believer is to simply be in relationship with him. That's like your greatest purpose. That's what you were created for. Um, but many times this purpose gets lost in our life. Uh, we spend a lot of time trying to do things for God, but God didn't choose you for service. He chose you for a relationship as sons and daughters. And as our relationship with him grows, then service just comes naturally. It's a response to him in love. So when you find yourself wondering, I think um, 
a lot of us, especially being in Hong Kong, the culture really affects us. We're always wondering, like, am I doing anything important in my life? Am I doing anything productive? Should I be squeezing more time out to, like, do X, Y, Z? Before you ask that question, you should be asking, am I seeking to know God as my father more deeply? Am I trusting him in my life right now with these things? That's the definition of productivity because that's the definition of what you were created to do and to be. Um, so God's desire is for us to confidently embrace this purpose, to simply be his children. And the proper response is to want to grow and to put our relationship with him first. Um, but I think sometimes we sort of question God's love for us. Um, I think it's very natural, when, especially when we place our, our worth and value in, in other things. Um, and it's good to wrestle with these questions, right? Like, God, why, why do you love me? Like, I haven't done anything. I keep messing up. I, I can't really get my mind over it. And I think these questions are good and healthy for a believer to wrestle with in order to grow in their faith. Um, but we also have to be careful because sometimes when we doubt too much, we get to this place where doubt leads us into temptation and temptation leads us into sin. And when we start questioning God's love in a way that it becomes like grumbling or complaining, uh, that's when we need to really check our hearts. Uh, l- l- let, me, let me try to put it this way. So imagine you're a parent. So just imagine, some of you are parents, so maybe it's easier, but imagine you're a parent if you're not a parent and you decide to adopt a child. And for the first couple of years, it's great. The child is growing well. Uh, they're learning to trust you more and getting to know you as a parent. You're also getting to know the child more, their personality, their likes and dislikes. Uh, but one day, this child comes to a point where they realize that they're adopted. And they start asking questions like, um, mom or, or dad, how come you chose to adopt me? How, how come somebody else wasn't adopted? How can I know that you actually love and, and care about me? And of course, if you're a parent, you would say, I, I love you. Like, I love you because you're my child. Uh, you're my child because I adopted you. I adopted you because I wanted to have a family to share my love with. Uh, but your child is so stuck on the question of you know, why they're adopted that it, it sort of helped, it sort of you know, taints to understanding of your love for them. You know, they, they keep thinking that maybe you have some sort of ulterior motive or you don't really love them. So they keep you distant and far off. And that sort of affects the way that they're able to relate to you as a parent. I think that would really break your heart if you adopted a child and they started questioning your love and they didn't really trust it. Um, you know, God's love when he adopted us is given because he's a God who wants to have a family. He's a father. It can't be explained any more than that. If any other reason was given, then it would be given with conditions. It would no longer be grace and it would no longer be a love that we can fully trust and be secure in. So the way we need to respond to God's love is to trust and accept it, even when we can't fully understand this idea of being chosen before the world began. Um, On the other hand, as you grow in God's love, despite these questions, it leads you to an assurance that God is actively working for you for, your, for you in the past, for you in the present, for you in the future. God has planned out everything in love to benefit you, for you to be like him, to make you holy and blameless. Uh, when the parents at Emmanuel English Church decided to adopt, it was a very, very long process. Hong Kong has a lot of paperwork. They had to wait like years. And then they had to save up enough money. They had to sign a lot of papers, get a lot of people to visit them, take a lot of courses. Um, 
but they were willing to go through that process. Um, and that God is willing to go through that process with us for us to fully uh, be the children that he's created us and called us to be. Um, God came up with a plan to redeem you, to be his child, the moment he chose to adopt you. That plan was Jesus coming to die on the cross for your sin, to fill you with the Holy Spirit after he resurrected, and to take you into heaven. So just as parents are working for the well-being and growth of their children, God is at work in every moment of your life for your spiritual growth as, as father. And this means that you can be confident that God is for you. Um, okay, so I just want us to think, okay, just to, just to apply some of these things I've been talking about. This is a pretty difficult passage to understand, and I've sort of breezed over it, tried to explain a bit, things a bit more, so hopefully you get a better sense of it. Um, now than you did when I first started talking 20 minutes ago. <laughs> okay, so the main point is that trusting the Father's love brings the blessing of security and assurance. Uh, we've, we've talked about two points. So it started in eternity past, God's love for you, before you existed. And his purpose, the purpose of his love was simply to create a family that's holy, a family that reflects his goodness and love. Um, so I just want us to reflect, okay, in your heart, in your heart, who do you believe God is like this morning? So in your heart, who do you believe God is like this morning? Is he like this being way up there in the sky, pointing at you every time you do something wrong? Is he some sort of like far off, cold and calculative, mechanical, impersonal being, like he's there, he's keeping the world together, but he sort of doesn't really look at what's going on in my life. He's too busy. He's doing other things. Or is he a father that loves you, who is actively working in everything that happens in your life to save you from sin, to rescue you, to redeem you, to make you holy and perfect? See, what you believe about God, it deeply shapes your experiences and how you live your life. Uh, when, when we see God wrongly, when we don't see him as a father, when we see him as something else, like this distant being way up there, it throws your life off track. Everything is filled with pessimism. Uh, you know, there's no hope behind the challenges and difficulties in life that you face. But when you believe God is good and that he's a father, it changes how you see things. It gives you hope in everything, even the darkest circumstances. Um, when we trust in his love for us, the result is that we are freed from living from the expectations of the world around us. So, so one last question I want us to, to think about is, is this, like whose, whose approval is most valuable to you? Who, whose approval is most valuable to you? Like what they say, if they say something really good, like you feel so happy that day, but when they say something negative about you, they give you a bit of criticism, like you're just, you just feel so defeated. You just feel so depressed for that whole day or that whole week. Now, you know, it, it can be like your family or coworkers, a certain friend group. It can be society in general. Um, you know, in, in the West, we sort of live in this uh, culture where everything needs to be politically correct so that we make sure that we don't like um, step on anyone's toes or offend anyone. Um, the, the reality is we can't, possibly get everyone's approval. What we need to do as Christians is to live trusting the approval that God has given to us as our father. And that really changes 
everything. Um, when you trust in his love, it allows you to stop living in fear of the disapproval of the world around you. When you trust God, it frees you from living for the approval of others. Uh, recently, I watched this movie called, called Turning Red. And has anyone heard of the movie Turning Red? Okay, it's sort of like a, it's like a kid's movie, but I like the movie because it, it's all about like identity and approval. So in this movie, there's this young girl, she's sort of like in a cross-cultural setting. Her parents are, are immigrants and she's trying to uh, be accepted into this new society, right? That, well, I guess she grew up in. She's trying to be accepted into her, uh, the place where the country, you know, it's Canada where her parents immigrated. She has her friend group. She wants to be accepted by them. But at the same time, she really, really like wants her parents who are Asian to accept her. But there's sort of like a clash in values, right? Like what her parents want and what they want to, for, for them to get their, for her to get their approval and what her friends want to get their approval are, are, are conflicting. So she finds herself sort of stuck in the middle. Like she wants both her, her parents' approval and she wants her, um, she wants her friend's approval. And then it sort of goes back and forth. And that's sort of the tension throughout the whole movie. And in the end, she actually makes a choice. Um, a choice that Asian parents would not like. The choice is she, she decides that her friends are more important than what her parents think. That's actually, what, that's actually the moral of the story. Now, what, what the gospel tells us, what being adopted tells us is that the most important person's approval in your life is God the Father's. And when you have his approval, then you're freed from the pressure of having to meet everybody else's expectations, whether it's your friends, whether it's your family, you can live for him and be at peace. And that changes how you live. And when Jesus was on earth, he lived completely to please God. Uh, he lived completely secure of who he was as God's son. He came to earth, everybody thought he was crazy. Uh, the religious leaders accused him of being demon possessed and a lawbreaker. Uh, the crowd put pressure on him. They tried to force him to be king who would do miraculous things for them to be like their, uh, their, their military leader. But Jesus didn't give into any of their expectations. He didn't seek their approval. He didn't let that affect how he lived for God. He was so secure that God the Father loved him. And because of that, he was able to bring God's love to other people in a radical way. He was able to redeem all of humanity from sin. And that's what we're called to live like. We're called to live like Jesus, who is so secure in our Father's love that we don't let what other people uh, think sway us, but instead we're able to share that love with others. Um, so, Let's just take some time to reflect. Um, I, want us, I, I want us to close our eyes. I just want us to, again, reflect on the question. Two questions, okay? So in your heart, who do you believe God is like this morning? Who do you believe God is like this morning? Is he a father that you can really go to with all of your sin, with all of your doubts about him? Or do you actually keep some things off? Do you actually not pray to him or you don't say some things in your prayer thinking that you can hide things from him? So who do you believe God is like this morning? And, and whose approval is most valuable to you? Whose approval is most valuable to you? Who do you see God is like this morning? How do you see God this morning and whose approval is most valuable to you? I'm just going to read our passage that we've been talking about. 
And then I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would really bring it alive into our hearts. And I just want you to listen. Um, so Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, just thank you. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you that you know us so intimately and so deeply. Uh, thank you that you're working out everything in our life so that we could be holy and blameless because you're a father who, who loves us. And I just pray that your spirit, human you given to us, would just reveal those aspects in our life where we don't trust you as father, where we don't see you as a father, or we don't feel like you're a good father. Pray that your spirit would help us to see how that affects uh, who we seek approval from. And I pray that you would continue to instill a deeper sense of security in who we are in you. I pray that you would just give us this assurance, Lord. Um, so even when um, people say things about us, even when difficult ha things happen in our life, we can go back to this blessing of being your children. Um, I pray you would help us to understand your love for us in a deeper way this morning and in the days to come. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.